Hello, everybody, and welcome to Versus, brought to you by the Art Fight Podcast. Every week on Versus, we match up one fighter and one artist from the past or the present in a winner-take-all three-round battle. In the first round, we'll introduce our fighter. In the second round, we'll introduce our artist. And in the third round, we'll reveal our scorecards and declare our winner. I am Joe Nolan. I'm here with my co-host, Brian Siskin. Let the battle begin. This week, our fighter's fighter. One of the greatest mixed martial artists of all time, Matt, the immortal Brown, faces off against heavy metal guitarist and songwriter Dimebag Daryl. How you doing, Brian? Man, I'm great, uh, <laughs> and I'm super excited about this one, and, and uh, I hope that people understand that as much as this is versus, uh, it's just the same as in the fight game as anything else, people that have an incredible respect for each other or people that were inspired by each other are people that have to face off against each other so it is no slight matt brown absolutely has respect for dimebag daryl rest in peace dimebag daryl but either way we're gonna hash this out right now and i'm looking forward to it yeah me too uh it's really funny but i i do think that that you know we've only been doing this for a few weeks now but i think sometimes like you say just like in the real fights you know you end up with these sort of oil and water matchups you know you want to see the the striker against the wrestler and things like that or or you know the the finesse fighter against the brawler but in but in today's case it really does feel like you know if 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 Dimebag Daryl you know fought in the UFC he'd be something like uh, Matt Brown and vice versa you actually mentioned right before we got on air that Matt Brown actually does play guitar and of course he plays loud heavy metal guitar just like Dimebag Daryl yeah I think that uh, the other the other part of this I think that's gonna gonna be interesting and we'll get into it but I think that among many parallels obviously like playing guitar it's also they are both I think artists that have been a little bit misunderstood in certain ways relative to their technical proficiency versus just their power. Yeah, I think that's true. And like, uh, as we said in the introduction, we're going to start with by introducing our fighters. So for people who, you know, maybe don't follow the UFC or, you know, all of our artist friends who tune into these crazy shows and, and don't know a whole lot about the fight game. Matt Brown is a UFC mixed martial artist who actually retired recently, but has come back again recently, as many of our favorite fighters do. So he's, you know, kind of still quasi active as a fighter in the UFC right now. But he is one of these guys, when you look up his uh, page on on Wikipedia, the thing that really stands out to me is uh, that Matt Brown, although although at one time he was the International Sports Combat Federation East Coast Welterweight Championship champion, or he was in that championship, I thought Anyway, Matt Brown's not necessarily the guy who is, you know, always wearing the belt or getting the crown or the number one guy in the world. But Matt Brown is, as I said in the introduction, without a doubt, a fighter's fighter. He's one of these guys who every time he shows up to fight, you want to see him. It's the reason why he's one of my favorite fighters, because if Matt Brown was ever on a card, I'm like, OK, well, maybe I'll watch that fight at least, you know, at least that's worth turning in because Matt Brown's going to be on. Anybody who's interested in finding out more about Matt Brown, I would almost say that, you know, he had a recent fight near the end of his his before he retired the first time he fought against Donald Cerrone. And even though he lost that fight, I really think in a lot of ways that fight was emblematic of his career because it really was a situation where he was pitted against a guy who was very much like him, a fighter's fighter. They, they're both kind of similar in the sense that they're both basically Muay Thai style kickboxing type, type of fighters. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a very, you know, that was exactly the kind of fight that you expect to see out of Matt Brown. And even though he ultimately got finished, uh, he got 
he got finished, you know, righteously by another very good fighter. But when you when you look at Matt Brown's uh, Wikipedia page again, you might not see like this long reign as a champion. But what you do see from Matt Brown is just a whole a whole paragraph of like fight of the night, knockout of the night, performance of the night. Matt Brown actually won uh, in 2012 and 2013. Dog named him on their all violence first team, which I think is that's if that doesn't tell you the kind of fighter he is, I don't know what does. He's an incredibly exciting fighter, never the kind of fighter who takes his foot off the gas, you know, never the kind of fighter who, you know, has like, you know, won the first two rounds and takes the third round off. He's just not that kind of guy. He, he Another thing that's interesting about Matt Brown is that he, in his 22 wins as a professional fighter, he has won 14 by knockout and six by submission. So he's mostly finishing people. And that's a pretty diverse number. Yeah. Um, when you think that you know he's almost got as half as many submissions as he has knockouts, that's a pretty diverse, you know, well-rounded fighter. And another thing, and the thing that I find probably the most interesting thing about his fighting style is that those knockouts aren't just a punch, a kick. Those knockouts are very often set up by a, a knee strike or an elbow strike. He had a, a devastating knockout against our friend Diego Sanchez with a terrible, terrible, vicious elbow strike that was like one of the, I mean, arguably the elbow strike. If you had to say, how does that work when you hit somebody with their elbow? Show them that video and that would that would uh, fill you in pretty quick. But, but so he's a very diverse, dynamic fighter and underneath all of that, the thing that really defines him is just this gritty fighter's fighter quality. He is going to hit you. He's going to hurt you. He's going to break you. He's going to beat you. That's like the, the Matt, the Matt Brown formula for winning. You know, it's not about uh, fancy moves or, you know, a lot of deception or anything like that. It's very much just about mono mano And one of us is walking out of here and more often than not, it's Matt Brown. Yeah. Do you, do you have any particular Matt Brown sort of memories or things that have stood out where you, where it occurred to you that he was, you know, something really special? Yeah. Well, I mean, some of those I just mentioned, I mean, yeah. even in that fight against Cerrone, I mean, he was, I mean, that was a, just a great fight. I mean, that's, you, you can't have a great fight without two great fighters, you know? And mm-hmm. so even though he lost that fight, that was, that was one of those uh, moments where, you know, where you, you still saw how special Matt Brown was and, and, and what he was capable of and the toughness he was actually capable of, even though he ultimately got finished with, a you know, yet another big kick from Donald Cerrone landing. He took several of those kicks before that happened and kept walking forward. You know, and again, that that Diego Sanchez knockout, which was probably the last great highlight of his career before his first retirement. That was just a crazy moment, you know, where he, you know, very much had a guy in trouble. Matt Brown often gets people in trouble up against the fence before he finishes them. And in this case, he sort of you know, showed that sort of poise of like the pro that he, that he is and uh, just sort of reached out with one hand to sort of just stop the target in space. Kind of, kind of cradles gently, gently cradled (laughs) Diego's head for one moment before he just threw this right elbow, like from the other side of the cage, you know, and just, uh, just dropped our friend Diego very, very suddenly and very, very, without pause to the canvas. So, yeah. so, you know, but he's got a lot like that. You know, I, I watched a couple of different Matt Brown highlight reels, sort of just getting ready to, to talk about all this mm-hmm. stuff. And it's, I mean, he's got the highlight reels for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So now it's on me, right? My turn. Yeah. So tell us about Dimebag Daryl. 
So Dimebag Daryl, his original name, actual name is, is Daryl Abbott, Daryl Lance Abbott, born in 1966 in Ennis, Texas. He and his brother, his older brother, Vinny, grew up and you know started playing music. In fact, Dimebag, as, as he became known, started actually playing <laughs> drums. He actually started playing drums and then, you know, but his brother Vinny was basically like, I'm, be- I'm better than you are, so you should play guitar. And then they would play music together uh-huh. and he started playing guitar that way. <clears throat> so over time, you know, miscellaneous musical adventures and learnings and things. I mean, he was, he was growing up, I, I feel like, you know, similar in generation. I mean, we were all getting, you know, pelted by Kiss and Black Sabbath and, and then later on, you know, Metallica, early Metallica. And I think that what was really pivotal for them and we, we had really kind of have to talk about them as sort of a tandem because they ended up being uh, in the band Pantera that, you know, became really what Dimebag was known for. And he was deeply inspired by all that. I mean, he, there's, you know, stories of him standing in front of the mirror in Ace Freely makeup, you know, even before he even really knew how to play guitar. I mean, he just knew that that was his thing. So mm-hmm. speeding ahead, when they started Pantera and some of the, prior musical incarnations of, of what became Pantera. Uh, and I, I can sort of recollect this, you know, like if you think about the 80s, you know, a lot of the metal music from the mid 80s, early to mid 80s, and then walking our way into the sort of you get the late 90s or mid, late 80s, there was this transfer, transfer period between glam, rock, spandex, makeup, big hair, to sort of hardcore music and metal music really starting to take a different hold. And they were sort of in the spandex and hair phase, I think for a while. And I think that Dimebag was never really comfortable with that, but ultimately they became more authentic to themselves as they formed Pantera and sort of adopted this, these, these hardcore sensibilities. So Dimebag's guitar style known for essentially like groove metal. It's a, it's like hardcore music mm-hmm. that is, slowed down and that's partly i think inspired by his influences also of like billy gibbons zz top Mm. some of that texas southern kind of blues based feel so right one of the things too i think is very interesting is that you know dimebag never he i think he said he took one guitar lesson and the guy gave him you know some a scale or something to practice and he's like fuck this man like Mm. i i I don't have patience for this he's completely self-taught and Mm. you know getting down to it in terms of what Dimebag accomplished. I mean, he's forever considered one of the most influential guitarists of all time, certainly one of the the greatest metal guitarists of all time. And in that sort of pantheon with, you know, Randy Rhodes and Eddie Van Halen and, you know, all of that. And, you know, here's where the stories kind of cross a little bit, but, you know, Pantera was, I you know, they really hit with this album called Cowboys from Hell. And then after that, they, I think they really came to their full fruition with the album Vulgar Display of Power. And I think anybody that's a Pantera fan would, would sort of uh, probably agree. But it was, it was whatever Matt Brown's elbows are, uh, <laughs> that's what that record is. Just merciless, beautiful, violent sound. Yeah. And so anyway... Quickly, just trying to, I guess, get to his unfortunate, really tragic, very dark death. Pantera eventually, you know, kind of splintered. And then he formed a band called Damage Plan. And Damage Plan 
you know, and think about this too, like bands that were very successful and then they sort of dissolve and then these very successful musicians are sort of starting new projects and what do they do? They do what they know. They go back out on the road and they play small clubs, you know, where they were playing huge shows. Now they're playing small shows to a lesser, you know, to a more niche audience again. But Damage Plan was, was playing in Ohio. It was Columbus, I think. Yes, Columbus, Ohio. And uh, tragically, they were, they were in the middle of their first song and some crazy young guy, like 25, with some serious issues, took out a nine millimeter and just started shooting. And to everyone's horror and surprise. And Dimebag Daryl was shot and killed in that moment. And here's where the story gets really interesting in terms of these two battling it out today is just that Matt Brown was at that show. Matt, oh, is that true? Matt Brown saw this happen. Are you kidding it, me? With his own eyes, he was there. I thought it was a coincidence just that Matt Brown is actually originally from Ohio and that, that, that you know, Dimebag died in Ohio. I thought that was enough of a coincidence, but he was actually there. Yeah, he, you can find uh, the story. I think it was Damon Martin uh, on maybe Bleacher Report or I forget where it was, but... Uh, wow. And also there's a, a video of him talking about this on Mac Life. But basically he's recollecting. I mean, he was right there. He, he basically was scheduled to go work and something got screwed up with his union work. He was late for a gig. And so they told him not to show up. So he was just kind of kicking around, didn't know what to do with himself, saw a sign, damage plans playing. Holy shit. I didn't know that they were even coming to town. Goes goes in and has this you know very detailed story that he tells about hearing the band sort of one by one falling out and trying to figure out what's going on and then thought that Dimebag was uh, stabbed, but in fact he had been shot. And then, you know, talks about running out of the place for a minute, but then turning around and being like, no, if that, and this is, this is key, Joe, if you didn't know the story. Mm. Matt Brown is running out of the club where Dimebag Daryl and some others had just been shot. He turns around. Uh-huh. He's thinking to himself, if I'm going to get, shot this guy's gonna shoot me in the face not in the back he's gonna like i'm gonna be looking at you if you're gonna shoot me <laughs> you know <laughs> so what he I mean? went back in yeah I did. well yeah he would never really fully got out he just before he fully left and he was trying to figure out ways to help or whatever and he ended up right. sort of sort of protecting himself and then you know everything kind of happened but an incredible sort of parallel there and yeah and and so lastly yeah, that- that sort of attitude of like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to look you in the eye, even if you're going to if, if I'm going down, I'm going to go down staring at you and and and, you know, coming forward. That's absolutely the Matt Brown way. So it doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot to, to Dimebag's uh, story, which we're not going to be able to all get into here. But uh, one little other sort of detail is that he was actually his nickname was Diamond Daryl. But then the, I believe it was the singer of Pantera that had changed it for him by suggestion, <laughs> only, just as a joke, really, because uh, Dimebag would only, like when people are, they're playing shows and people are giving you weed and, and whatever, he would only ever accept no, like no more than a Dimebag because that's how, <laughs> that he wasn't willing to accept the risk of getting caught with any more weed than that. <laughs> <laughs> so he was, he was, a, he, he liked to party, but he also, he had his limits and he, he was, he was a, a true artist uh, who, who yeah. knew how to keep it under control. And one, <laughs> yeah. And one last little detail that I thought was really cool that I didn't know actually was that when Dimebag was buried, he was buried in a kiss casket casket given to him by, by Gene Simmons. And also, just prior to his death, he had met or been hanging out with Eddie Van Halen and always had loved his Bumblebee guitar and was wondering about how to get a replica made of it or something. And Eddie Van Halen insisted that the original, you know, Eddie's personal 
guitar that, that he liked that Dimebag had liked so much be buried with him. Wow. So there, it's so sad though. It really is. But, but the point is, yes, the, I, I feel like they are both immortal in their own right. Yeah, that's right. And we were talking about that earlier before we got on the air here talking about like, you know, that Matt, the immortal Brown. I love the fact that, you know, when a fighter's trying to figure out what their nickname is going to be. I mean, just, yeah, shoot the moon, Matt. <laughs> go, you know, go for it. Just go ahead and tell everybody you're never going to forget me. But that brings us to our third round. This is this is going to be very difficult because I do feel like, you know, in their own ways, these guys really do sort of embody the same kind of spirit. And in some ways, I feel like they they both have, you know, a lot of, they bring a lot of the same things to the table, you know, in our first category, we talk about the effective use of their creative tools for Matt Brown. You know, I think Matt Brown, uh, again, he's a guy with a pretty, uh, a pretty diverse toolkit in terms of, in terms of, you know, the kind of things that he can, can do in, in an octagon, you know, as I said, he's, he's gotten almost as, almost, almost half as many uh, submissions as he's scored knockouts. So he can go on the ground and, you know, put you in an arm bar or choke you out mm. much better than most might be able to. But in the meantime, on his feet, he's got all of the quote unquote eight limbs going, you know, he's, he's punching, he's throwing spinning shit. He's got elbows, he's got knees, he's got kicks, he's got everything, you know? So, so in terms of, you know, having a wide array of, of creative tools, he's got them and he knows how to use them for sure. And, the other thing that that sort of really it's probably the second category. I'll wait for the second category to talk about sure. this other thing. But uh, but but to me, Matt is 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 for sure. You know, one one of the reasons why he's a not. It's not just his fighting spirit, but it's also the fact that that he does bring this this you know technical ability uh, across a range of 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 capacities that makes him such an exciting fighter. Right, I agree, and. It's easy to look at highlights and define someone as, you know, oh, he's the guy with the elbows, but it's a, it's a lot more than that. And so what I'll say is similarly with Dimebag, I think, you know, I think a lot of metal guitarists are within the sphere of metal, heralded properly and, and thought of in a, in a, in a, with a certain kind of respect. But I'm not sure that the broader musical sphere fully understands or respects a lot of, I think, uh, you know, sort of shredding kind of distortion driven sort of guitarists in that in that realm but in terms of Dimebag's skills you know no one doubts that he's one of the most preeminent guitarists to ever live and if you want to talk about specifically what he was doing without getting too technical I think that his self-taught nature gave him a little bit of freedom to exp- I think he was much more keen to explore alternate alternate tunings of the guitar I think he was a lot less bound by a lot of the normal sort of guitarist sort of considerations and then at the same because he just wanted if he just gave the feeling if it just had the power if it just had the 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 effect then that was really all that mattered it didn't matter about like sort of traditionally how did you get there or not or, or anything like that at the same time he was incredibly wildly sort of consistent player and 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 you know he did a lot of neat things you know he his use of sort of harmonics and and voicings allow like it's, he's one of those guitarists where when you hear him you know you know that it's him and I think that especially in the realm of metal where distortion tends to sort of flatten a lot of tonal character or mm. uh, nuance perhaps of of finger styles or or whatever right you, you know when you hear him and it's because I think he was as much sort of a sonic kind of architect as much as anything else and the last thing I'll say is that it's really beneficial I think that. 
anytime siblings are in bands, right? There's some weird, yeah. you know, sort of connectedness that they have. And so mm-hmm. between him and his brother, who was the drummer, I think if, if you go, if you're a Pantera fan already and you already are familiar with Dimebag, great. But go back and really listen to how conversationally tight rhythmically his playing is in the fills in the space he played and like i said he actually started as a drummer and there's something about guitarists that understand drummers that it 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 really the the sound becomes that much more cohesive because the uh they're thinking alike in those ways when 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 vinny's playing drum fills he's talking as much with his brother as anybody else in the, in all of those sort of turns mm-hmm. in the music and I think that for that kind of music where it's just about like in your in your fucking face, like to have as much sort of unity and power and uniformity behind the sound, I think is really powerful. So that's yeah. what that's what I would say specifically with respect to, to Dimebag's uh, skill set. Now, if we'll, we'll judge later, but I will say that generally, as much as Dimebag was completely preeminent and fully an artist, I'm not sure. I think that Matt Brown in his world is probably a little bit more well-rounded you know, I don't think that Dimebag was gonna, you know, compose classical music or play, you know, Charlie Christian tunes on a hollow body, right? Right. I, I mean, but that's fine. Like, I'm not. That's not a. I think you have to be. Well, I think yeah. I, I want to actually. I, every time as we talk about these categories, I yeah. would rather score them now. As sure, we talk yeah, yeah. Them. Let's do it. So, so, I, so, why don't you go ahead and tell me what's your score here? I, I think I think that I'm so enamored with with Matt Brown's fighting style, and I and it bothers me how little respect he's gotten for how varied his game is. And you even said at the top, right? Like he's a finisher, but he's a very diverse finisher. And I don't think he ever really fully got the respect that he deserved for that. So I would say in terms of, I'm going to base it on sort of, if we're talking about tools, I think that Matt Brown was a little bit more well-rounded. Let's just put it that way. So 10, 10, nine is what I'm saying. Okay, I am actually going to go the other direction because I'm going to say I do feel like Matt Brown's incredibly well-rounded. I also feel that, you know, given what you've talked about regarding, you know, what Dimebag Daryl was able to do, like, within the, 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 the sort of limited sphere of metal, to me, he was able to do things that actually sort of transcended the genre of metal. You know what I'm saying? And for me, Matt is like an incredibly well-rounded martial artist, and he's also very much in the world of being a super solid, diversified Muay Thai-style fighter who also is a very good grappler. You know what I mean? Which is massive because there's lots of fighters who can't actually accomplish all that. But to me, Dimebag Daryl actually is one of those guys who sort of transcended the thing he was a part of, right? So, so you pit, you you went with Matt, and I'm going with Dimebag. The fight's all tied. We're moving on to the next round. Next, <laughs> okay, let's so, do this. Yeah. So, 
We gotta get so this moving, is where yeah. we talk about effective aggression, okay? And, mm. and 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 when we talk about effective aggression regarding our weekly artists, it can be a kind of a kind of a wishy-washy thing. I think with Dimebag Daryl, it's a it's a it's a he's the perfect guy to talk about for effective aggression. For me, talking about Matt Brown this week, you know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think really maybe the number one thing that Matt Brown brings, as you saw the night Dimebag Daryl died and Matt Brown turned around and went back in the building, is that he's just that guy he's the guy who he's a born fighter you know some of the guys that i love i'd say most of the guys that i love in combat sports Mm -hmm. are people who i would ultimately classify as martial artists you Mm -hmm. know what i mean matt brown is definitely a martial artist but yeah but first and foremost he's a fighter fighter Mm -hmm. you know what i mean he's a fighter and that's a thing that that that's a thing you have. I don't think that's a thing you learn. You know what I mean? And and Matt Brown has that in spades. And so to me, that's the that's really the the where his effective aggression comes from. I mean, he was he was never the kind of fighter who backed up. Like I said, he's never the kind of fighter who took a round off ever. He's never been that guy. He's always been exciting for those reasons. But all of that stuff falls under the category of he is somebody who is supposed to be fighting people that's like what he's here for you know what i mean and so so i think he scores very high on the effective aggression meter yeah (laughs) so i think a lot of what's interesting about these conversations too is we can change just the prism through which we're viewing something and it can have a, a net effect that is wild so i have to look at it from what i'm constant you're focused on on i think the word aggression right which makes sense I'm actually yeah. focused now. We're we're not in any kind of doubt about the mutual levels of aggression here, <laughs> right? But no, there's like a lot of aggression. But this week. <laughs> but with respect to efficacy, think about the fact that it's what Dimebag did in terms of the sound that that he created, and the tones that he created, and the music that he he created. It's actually the source material for all of these people to get hyped, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's yeah, the, it's point. it's their it's their soundtrack. It's it's their ethos. It's their you know it's a it's a manifestation of of whatever that is, right? And so you know I I feel like if you want to talk about efficacy, the reach and impact that on the on just a broad base uh-huh. of humanity, people that reach just whatever you want to call it influence inspiration and people that interacted with his greatness in some way or uh-huh. got, or got to witness it I, I think that he was able to to reach so many people that i think about it from the standpoint of sort of efficacy yeah. as opposed to because i mean nobody's going to combat uh the argument of aggression on either side they're they're both right. absolute embodiments of what that is yeah. I know one thing I would also like to say for on Dimebag's side, when I was, you know, doing a bit of study over the last week or so, we were actually going to do this last week. So mm-hmm. I've, I've sort of looked over both these guys a few times since, you know, before we got on here today. But another thing that I thought was interesting, and I think it's true, I don't think it's just something Dimebag said. I think, I think they actually lived up to this. But he, at some point, he was being interviewed and he talked about the fact that so many bands, you know, they come out with this album that everybody notices in the metal world, you know, and they come out with this heavy album. And you can name a lot of the bands who did this. But then after that happens, the next album, the next album, the next album, everything just gets lighter and lighter and lighter. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's like they can't maintain that and he was like fuck that like we're not doing that like pantera is gonna get heavier we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna 
you know, if you liked what we did last time, get ready because we're just going to do even more <laughs> the next time. Yeah. And I think you're right. I mean, like you said, that that second album or whatever is like, you know, that's really where where you're hearing the definitive band. You know, they they kept pushing and they got even more Pantera. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. I think, I think that's that's, you know, that that goes to his side as well. But OK, second round. Who took it for you? I, I got to go with Dimebag. I am also going to go with Dimebag. All right. So Dimebag takes the lead going into Dimebag the final takes the round. Lead and going into our final round, Art Era Control. So this is usually where we kind of look at, you know, the person within their world and say, you know, you know, you know, how much of that, you know, like a fighter trying to control the space in a fight, you know, how much of the space of their of their milieu did they did they influence and hold, you know? And as I said earlier, you know, for me, Matt Brown, you know, is somebody who, you know, there's a certain part of the fight game that Matt Brown definitely owned. Fan favorite, you know, uh, bonus winner, you know what I mean? Mm. Knockout of the night, fight of the night. He was that guy all through his career for sure, you know? That said, he was never the reigning champ. You know what I mean? He was never the guy who necessarily inspired, you know, throngs of people to become martial artists and follow in his footsteps. Although I'm sure he's got he's got some of those. I'm sure there's some little Matt Browns running around out there, yeah. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, but at the end of the day, I feel like I feel like. You know, he he definitely has left a mark. He definitely is, you know, somebody who's going to have a, a a real legacy. He's definitely someone who any any real fan of combat sports is never is always going to know who Matt Brown was and is always yeah. going to, you know, revere what he's been able to do. Mm. And you know, I, I I don't feel I feel like this is one of the one of his weaker rounds in terms of the three rounds we talked yeah. about today. Yeah. So I'm I'm a bit scared about where you're going with Dimebag yeah. Daryl. Well, I'll tell you right I now. Feel, I can feel it coming. Oh, up. it's coming! It's, <laughs> oh man, are you sensing there? Vulgar display of power, right? So <laughs> I mean, all right. So what is that track called? Oh man, it's like five minutes alone. Are you familiar with this track? Uh, is that on vulgar display? No, but. It's, it's really, let me back up here. You're handing me this round and I appreciate it because you should. No, 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 you're slipping through my grip. It's yeah, you're right. So, so here's the deal. I'm trying to hold on to it. (laughs) But but here's what I love about it though. Some people for whatever reason end up being a, a star and some people don't, but that does not mean that when you really look at their craft and what they do, that that's a reflection of that. But Matt, the one parallel I see is that Matt Brown has always been referred to as the fighter's fighter, right? Right. Same with Dimebag. Musician's musician, right? He's got that next door, indoor, or uh, inside baseball kind of cred when it comes to musicianship. You know, people as technically proficient and powerful as, say, Eddie Van Halen or, you know, whoever else, they all knew, you know, they all knew that he was something really special. And, you know, I forget what it was, but. I think that Dimebag has several sort of guitar solos that are, you know, three guitar solos that are in the top 100 guitar metal guitar solos of all time. And yeah. Pantera's legendary. And, you know, I mean, there's, sure. there's no accolades being lost there. I don't think that Pantera is going to be in the rock and roll hall of fame anytime soon. I mean, I think that that's still even as powerful and, and, uh, and effective as they were and what Dimebag's work was, you know, I don't know if it's still even fully mainstream. Right. But, uh-huh. 
but if you're comparing the two, and it is definitely no slight to Matt, to Matt Brown at all, but, but Dimebag's era control, that's what it was about. That's what he was doing was era control. <laughs> he was, you know, he, he planted his feet and, and made himself known. And everybody that was around for that, especially then, I mean, I, I wish that, I wish that, uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like I'm an old man here, but I guess I am. People have to realize too that what, like what that sounded like at the time relative to whatever else was going on. I mean, because the rest of the music situation at the time was a lot of just uh, fluffy sort of garbage and in terms of popular music and what a perfect time for them to come along and double down on their aggression and to adopt sort of a more hardcore aesthetic or, or sensibility and the production style and everything his his you know drop d tunings and his just the sheer wall of tone and just gravity the way that that stuff translated through speakers in the late 80s and early 90s it was one of those things where there was all the other music that was on. And then when Pantera came on, it was like, blow your hair back. Like, what the mm-hmm. fuck is this? It may sound more benign now or not as aggressive, perhaps, because of the things that have come since. But none of those things would have happened in the same way without what they did. And, you know, there's yeah. only... There, I feel like their music holds up pretty well. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I'll be totally straight up. Like, I don't love all of their music. But, man, when they were hitting it, man, they were really killing it. And it was just... it's. I tend to think about it more about, you know, at that time, you know, I remember, I'll tell you a quick little story. We're going long on this one for, for sure, but I'll tell you a quick little story. I was in college and I, when I say I was in college, I mean, I was in college for about a month and a half before I got kicked out of college. So this was a brief stint in college, but it was spring break time or whatever. And this guy, maybe it wasn't even spring. No, it was spring break. There was this dude that was just in my dorm or whatever that was a full-on metalhead dude and he drove this old dodge conquest i don't know if you remember those i don't know why i remember that but we, we were all going to meet some people down in fort lauderdale or boca raton or wherever the hell we were going somewhere in florida to do stupid things and this guy was like good place for it <laughs> full-on metalhead just like he just would just eat nodos by the handful right and he drove he insisted on driving the whole way we drove from the mountains of north carolina all the way to florida without stopping through the night and the entire time he was blasting cowboys from hell the entire time like at full volume like we couldn't even have a conversation it was one of the weirdest experiences i've ever had but that was my indoctrination to pantera was just being driven on the highway at three o'clock in the morning by this insane metalhead guy who's packed full of nodos and just going ballistic on Pantera. And I'd never heard it before. And it was like, okay, this is a new level. Not to quote Pantera there, but it was unbelievable. So I just remember what it was like at the time. It was, it was an incredibly shocking, just badass thing to hear at the time. So anyway, that's, that's what I got to say. Yeah. Well, I, that brings us to our, our final score here. So, so, so I think we're both going with uh, a win for uh, Dimebag Daryl in the third round. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, easily. So that brings us to a final score here. It's a, it's a unanimous decision this week, ladies and gentlemen. 59-55, Dimebag Daryl <laughs> defeats the immortal Matt Brown. <laughs> and everyone's a winner here at Versus, but that was a, that was a, a, a pitched battle there for a second. No, how, how do I don't understand the score. It's a three-round fight, I thought. It is three rounds. Oh, okay. So... Oh, oh, because well, you had 29, 28 and oh, I had uh, 30 to 27. They were square on the first round. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So but yeah, I mean, it's 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 you know, it's been fun to go back and pull all that. I mean, I've just been blasting that shit today. <laughs> it's just been it's been yeah. really nice. And honestly, like a lot of that music feels really good right about now. Yeah, everybody should put that uh, put that album on and then watch Matt Brown highlights alongside of it because that'd be a beautiful pairing. Yeah, and go find. I mean, there's footage of Matt Brown playing guitar. He's good. I mean, he's, he can play. You know, I mean, yeah, that's rad. Yeah, so go go find that and check it out. And you know, if on the off completely random chance that that uh, that Matt Brown sees this and watches all 39 minutes of it, whatever we've done so far, please know that we we definitely respect and appreciate. Yeah, if this is only our third show, right? That's how that's how much we love Matt Brown. Yeah, yeah, and we, and we just you know I don't mean to trivialize in any way you know the horrific experience that he had and and the the horrible nature of Dimebag's fate. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of reiterate that. But man, awesome! So now I've been sort of digging into Dimebag, but now I'm gonna go I'm gonna go watch some Matt Brown highlights. Right on, and, and we're gonna see stoked. everybody on. We'll be back on Thursday. We've got a very special guest. Should we preview sure, that? Yeah, at yeah, all? hit it. We've got a special guest coming from Vanguard Publishing. They're going to talk to us about a brand new uh, book of Frank Frazetta's art. So we're going to get into some Conan and some Tarzan and all sorts of crazy fantasy art and how uh, Frank Frazetta's work actually, uh, you know, had a massive influence on how people perceive those those storybook characters in terms of, you know, I mean, like the Conan movie looks the way it does because of those paintings. So we'll, we'll talk all about that on Thursday. Yeah, that's going to be cool. All right. So we're out then, right? Anything else, Joe? No, I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah. If there's something else I'm forgetting, I'll get I'll get with you later. All right. Well, people need to subscribe. We're still trying to pick up steam on our YouTube channel. We, you know, obviously have been doing audio podcasts only for a couple of few years now and are trying to uh, turn the corner now. And, and uh, so people are not really aware of what we're doing yet. But if you are seeing this somewhere on the on the Twitters or on YouTube or wherever you are, please do the things because it, it helps us sort of turn the corner on our sort of change from an, an audio only medium to to a, a visual program in some way. So we appreciate audio, it. Audio, visual, live. We got the whole thing going on. Yeah, now, we're yeah. doing all the things. All right. Appreciate it, my man. All Cheers. Right, we're out, everybody. Preach. Hey guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast. Click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast. And once you get there, you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and and help us out again anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast 
click on support this podcast. All right. Thanks, everyone.